0: poetry for now. My name is Martin Strathmore and this is episode 18 of season 2, Doors, Windows and Haircuts. Going with the flow, Billy Collins, the great American poet, suggested pick a starting subject and just keep writing, allowing it to surprise you and keep at it until it ends. What is poetry? It's a good question. These poems led me to old memories and some new endings. The last poem was sparked by Mark Doley's poem, This is Your Home Now. Doors. I notice we have different doors. Some slide into pockets, some swing outwards, some swing inwards, awkwardly blocking me into a small space. Some doors open both ways, depending where I'm coming from or going to. So now I wonder if the same doors open up new ideas for some and block others from moving forward. Becoming a prison for the mind. Just as for some, a challenge opens up opportunities, while others see an insurmountable problem. What is the key? Where is the key? To create a way forward to keep growing and offering. I had a key to a safe deposit box, but the bank closed, so now the box is empty. I put all those precious papers and paper clips and the odd collection of supposedly valuable paraphernalia into an old brown plastic Samsonite briefcase under the bed, hoping that we would be able to grab it as we ran out of the smoke. Until I realised that the only things of value in the old briefcase. Are the gold DuPont cigarette lighters that do not work, and that my father used to sell to very rich smokers who frequented Harrods. Now, 60 years later, the smokers are probably from Saudi Arabia, driving around London through congested streets in Rolls Royces or Lamborghinis, feeling protected and isolated from the common riffraff. They have no need to hurry, even though they know it's quicker to walk or take the tube. They are in a different world that floats above the council flats in Brixton, in large penthouses in Mayfair or Sloan Square. How different from the day 60 years ago when I rode two buses, 16 and 124, across London to school at Sloane Square, wearing my bright green Eton House blazer with the red cross on the pocket and my only pair of shiny grey wool pants. Until the day the sadistic headmaster beat me with a hard black leather baton for a forgotten sin. I was not alone to be punished and go home with black and blue bruises on my buttocks. Eventually, justice was done as the sadist was removed, sent to a dungeon in the Tower of London, where the beefeaters guarded the doors, keeping the human and animal rats out of society. Yes, back to doors. Ancient, big, thick, iron and oak, which had only one purpose, to keep him inside and free the rest of us from tyranny, at least for now. Windows, here in Florida, Windows let in the light, keep out hurricanes and noise, give us glorious views of sunrises, sunsets, rivers and ponds. Ibises flying by in formation at eye level now. These windows keep us cool, holding back the hot, humid summer air, and open up to let in cool winter breezes. I remember the house we left. Along the Saugatuck River on the dirt road. A whole wall of glass doors bringing us into the river world. The winters of sparkling ice crystals and pure white snow. The clear glass keeping us warmer than the freezing air outside. Flashback to Cropthorne Court, London. I am fifteen the small square window panes of glass in the latticework of cold white painted metal. I sit at my small desk in my small childhood room, diligently doing my homework, until I can go outside to play on the narrow asphalt strip, where once the milkman steered his horse-drawn cart every day. Then we would play cricket of sorts on that strip, every now and then breaking a window and running away, hoping beyond hope we would not be punished. Kept inside those windows, watching the world pass by. We were the trio, Michael, Martin and Anthony. Sometimes we would go on adventures to watch cricket at Lords for days on end, somehow occupying us enough to avoid boredom and relish freedom getting ready for our next home game and broken window. The haircut with no barber. I reach under the sink and grab the plastic bag with a turquoise cape, electric razor, comb, and sharp scissors. The tall chair goes onto the porch. Then her gentle hands hold the long hairs left on the sides of my head. Snip, snap, the silver and grey hair hits the dust, probably to be used later by birds lining their nests. Now the tug on my inherited bushy eyebrows I fear may disappear completely or become lopsided, but she always stays even. I emerge with well balanced hair and eyebrows. This has happened for over 37 years. Whenever my ears disappear under an unruly tangle, or I am deemed unkempt, less times than the fingers on a healthy hand someone else has cut my hair since we got married. Twice it has been a simple shave almost to the skull. The first traumatic time, egged on by our daughter in Sydney, Australia. Another time, an old guy special in Albuquerque, New Mexico, in a true barbershop, before I got slathered with oil in my karma treatment. I have grown to appreciate that clean, fresh feeling of a completely shaved and shiny scalp. With so few hairs left on top, there's not much to lose. My memories of English haircuts, the pudding basin cut in Clifton Gardens, the John Lennon look around the university in Manchester, Those were the days of thick hazel hair matching my hazel eyes as all the young ladies swooned over me, at least in my imagination. I have slipped out a couple of times during our marriage to great clips for some emergency shearing. Also once to the really old barber on Route 41 who barely missed cutting off my ear. Now I simply relax into the loving hands of my dearest Cassandra as she snips and snaps perfectly shaping the few remaining silvery hairs to once again make me a respectable person and able to see the sun below the once bushy eyebrows. Just in case you didn't get it from the poems, I was born and brought up in London, England and moved here to the U.S. to go to graduate school. So thanks for listening and I'll be back soon.